purpose for us is as sons and daughters to be witnesses of the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ. He called us to do a Psalms 145 verse 4. One generation shall proclaim to another generation the majesty of God, the splendor of the Lord, the wonderful works and the acts of God shall be made known by one generation to the next. See, I'm 75, but I'm counting on you to run with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is here. I'm counting on you that out of you, a Julie Argonzoni might raise up, a Georgina, a Debbie might raise up, a Pastor Steve may be out there, a Sonny Argonzoni may be sitting there. Yes, a, a Caradine. A, G a Jerome Caradine that's in Atlanta, Georgia, working with the people might be in the pews, that there may be a Native American here that God's going to use and anoint them to preach the gospel to the nations of this United States. There could be somebody in there that's sitting down and don't even know what's going to take place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so it's a privilege to me, and I'm blessed to be with my son. Because when the time came that I thought about giving my life to Jesus, it was because he spoke to me in an audible voice when one of those guys, Pastor Sonny's men, Pastor Sonny's boys were witnessing in a drug program that finally hired me after two years. They hired me, they helped me, and they hired me to help people. And these guys came, and while one was witnessing, I got jumped. I felt something jump on me, and it scared me. Oh, man, I had never been scared. I felt when he was talking about Jesus delivering power, his name was Vele. Era del Paso. He was from El Paso, Texas. So he's giving his testimony in Pachuco. He's testifying in slang in Spanish. And when I got jumped and I felt the presence, I didn't know it was the presence of the Lord at first because I got scared. But right away, I heard a voice. And I didn't realize what the voice was saying to me. I didn't realize I was looking. You know what he said? Serve me and I'll give you peace. How simple. Serve me and I'll give you peace. I was afraid. I heard the voice. As soon as I heard the voice of God, I knew that it was God. Creation does not need nobody to come and introduce God when he shows up. We are the people that are going to take the word of God, the revelation of the Lord, and from there, God has his own ministry. He's got the ministry of the word of God. He's got the Holy Ghost who has his own ministry, and that Holy Spirit and the word of God begin to work in people's minds and in their hearts, and he, they will reveal and speak the language that the people understand. And so... When I heard that voice, 
immediately I knew that I wasn't ready. Imagine being afraid, hearing God's voice, knowing it was God, but I knew I wasn't ready. I knew it. But did God leave me alone? No, you know what he did? He stood with me for two days. You know how I, the condition I was in? I was going insane. Why? The presence of a holy God cannot be stood by an unrighteous man, by a sinner, an immoral man that's no good, cannot stand the awesome presence of a holy God. All that person can do is shake. And two days I was going insane because I heard a voice say, don't tell your wife, don't tell nobody, don't tell the guys and girls from Victory Outreach what you're going through because they're gonna convince you. You're gonna come to God, but don't, you're not ready now. So don't tell them because if you tell them, they're gonna convince you to give your life to Christ, you're not ready. I heard that voice and I didn't say nothing, that's why I was going crazy. And the time came, five years went by, I never accepted the Lord, but I, I thought of it. But he said, serve me and I'll give you peace. Over the years I thought of it. And finally I realized what God was telling me, so that when I made the decision, that I would be able to make the decision and come in. This is what he said. Many of you today, you're gonna to have to make the decision. You have to give up your will when you come to God. See, when he said, serve me and I'll give you peace, he was telling me, you have to serve me and stop serving yourself and doing what you want. You can't do what you want and come to me. You must be willing to give up what you want to do, what you've been doing, and you must give it up and come to me and accept what I have for you because you will be my servant. And so when I made that decision, this is how it happened. It was on a night that I heard that this person that witnessed to me and Steve Pineda, his name was Sam Arzola. He, was a, he came from a drug dealing family from Flats, where Pastor Sonny went out to reach families that used heroin. And so Sam Arzola got saved, and he was very close to God. He was very close to Pastor Sonny, and he worked there. He wasn't a preacher, but he could testify personally and do prison work. Well, God said, go see Sam for your salvation. When I got close, he came again and he asked me, serve me and I'll give you peace. And I said, yes, I'm ready, Lord. So he says, go see Sam for your salvation. So, so he could lead me. So, I said yes, but you know what happened? Seven months went by. And when you're getting high every day and going to work and things like that, it's hard. To, you don't know how to get off of that to be able to go give your life to God or go do what he tells you. Thank God that you did it. You guys did it, you're in. And so 
when I heard that Sam was dying of cancer, and I got panicked, I told my friend Jimmy, he was a, our director, I said, Jimmy, can you call Sammy? And so he called him, and the wife said, he's asleep right now. It's about 6 o'clock. The cancer ate him fast. Come tomorrow, and, and you could see him. So I went home knowing that I was never going to leave God. I drove home. I bought a pack of cigarettes. I, t I bought a tall slits. And those days they had a slits, beer this big. It was loaded every day on different drugs. And I just knew that I was never going to be the same and that there was something that was going to take place because I had already made the decision to give up my will. So I smoked those small barrels on the way home and drank that beer like I always did on the way home. And I went right in the house and I told my son, I'm ready. He was five years old, a little guy that I loved so much that I waited for him to come. Oh, I thank God that God never let him get hurt. As a little guy, you want to raise up your, your son to be your friend, to, to, to be courageous and stuff like that. And so I said, son, I'm ready. And I remembered the sinner's prayer, and he laid hands on me. Imagine a little guy laid hands on me, and, as, and I said the sinner's prayer. And as soon as after he laid hands on me, I went to the toilet and threw up some green stuff. Those had to be demons, immoral demons. Demons of getting loaded, demons that cause people to party, demons that will cause a person to be aggressive, to be violent, demons that will show a person how to lie, how to cheat, how to, how to steal, and all those things, even some to kill, even though I've never killed them, but somebody that will show you how to be deceitful, the demonic had to come out because the Holy Ghost came in. And the next day when I woke up, I, didn't, I almost forgot that I made the hardest decision known to mankind, and that is to give up their will and serve God. And when I remembered, all of a sudden I, I noticed that I heard the birds singing. I looked outside. I never heard that song before. The sun is so beautiful, the, 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 the song of the birds. I looked, the sun was out, the trees looked beautiful green against the, the, the mountains. We lived close to the mountains. I didn't realize that the mountain color of the mountains matched the green and the blue sky. And the sky was looking good. And I, and I woke up and I felt power. For six weeks, I had power, supernatural power upon me. I had the Holy Ghost talking to me every day. I didn't know I was supposed to go to church. I just knew I had got delivered. I knew that God did a miracle, that from getting loaded from the age of 14, I no longer desire to get high on the things that I got high in. I didn't want to party. I didn't want to go with other women. I had a desire just to know the Lord and the Holy Spirit was speaking to me, telling me what to do, where to read, how to think. And so 
I took my boy and we went for a run. He was on a skateboard. And I took him up the mountains like that. And I said, come on, son, let's go. And I don't even know I'm supposed to go to church. But we're running and he's skating. And I'm pushing him up. And so when I finally get to church, my wife says, won't you go to church? Everybody heard about your salvation and they were praying for you. And so the next day, like I told you, uh, they had made an appointment for me to go see Sam, but I had already received the Lord. So he led me to the Lord again. But when I went to church, it was on a Wednesday. This happened on a Monday, November the 30th. Who remembers the day that they experienced Jesus? November the 30th on a Monday, and I went to church on a Wednesday, and victory outreach, when I walked in, man, I said, wow, I thought these people were busted. I thought these people were dead. I didn't know that they're serving God. There was a, there, it was about 200, 250 people in the church that day. And so I didn't realize that all those people that I, many of them I knew, they had their hands lifted up. They had tattoos. You could tell that they were in prison. You could tell that there were women that were out there getting high. You could see them and, you, and I said, I could hang out here. And so from that point on, what I'm gonna share with you, I learned it from the preaching of my pastor who taught his spiritual son, who taught your pastor, who he was taught by David Wilkerson that's in heaven from Team Challenge. And Nikki Cruz taught him what I'm gonna share with you. And I learned it from 1976, most of it till 1986. What I'm gonna teach you right now, I learned it. And, and, and I wanna share it with you because it's gonna help you to stay outside. Are you ready? If you turn your Bibles to the book of uh, Philippians chapter 2, and when you have it, say amen. I wanted, I wanted to tell you that just to give you a little bit of background and tell you how blessed I am that Pastor Al gave us the privilege to come and be with you. Okay? Now, chapter 2 of Philippians. I'm reading this for the purpose so that you could see what we're going to need to reach out to people. Philippians, Paul's, this is his exhortation to the readers, to humility. He says, therefore, if there is any consolation or any encouragement in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love as what your pastor has been teaching you as Jesus, being of one accord 
of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness and mind and humility. Let each esteem others better than himself. Here's a verse. Let each one of you, me and you, look out not only for his own bones, for, his, for selfies, come on, for their own interests, for their own life, for the things that we want to do. No, but let it be for the interests of others, but also for the interests of others. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. And I'm careful to give you all of the honor and all of the glory. And everybody said, Amen. Yesterday, I preached a message called Protecting Your Revival. And in the points that I said is that how you and I protect the revival is that when we tell people we're saved, when we tell people that we're Christians, and when we tell them we're servants of God. And I mentioned that that uh, for God to revive us so that we would have joy in daily life in front of people. That he would revive us so that we could live right in his sight. And that he would revive us so that we would be the vessels as Pastor Sonny is speaking about. That he believes that God is going to use victory outreach to bring revival to the inner cities of the world. Because Habakkuk asked God to revive the, his, the work in the midst of the years to revive his work, to let people know the work of God. And that's where you and I come in. Now, when I wrote this out, I titled it like this. I said, what I'm going to share with you and I it's what developed me to become one of the leaders in the outreach. And I put down in 1976 to 1985. So before I became a leader, I had to learn to become saved. While I was learning to, be, to become saved, I had to learn how to become a Christian. I'm still learning. But I had to learn to become a servant. And so all of that has to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I learned this as a Bible study teacher and by being a home director and by being under a pastor for three and a half years, going to work, being a father, witnessing, learning how to witness in everyday life. And, and, and learning how to go through the trials and the tribulations of life. Learning how to stay fired up and loving the Lord and going through trials and tribulations and still getting to church whether I had money or not. No matter what I went through, I had to, I learned this being under God and the church. Connecting with people in the church, choosing 
a leader or a leader choosing me. I had to learn how to practice what the pastor was preaching at home, in the community, and in church, the principles of the Word of God. I had to learn how to apply them at home. And so I was being raised up to be a potential leader. And this things that I'm going to share with you is what helped me to be one of the leaders in the outreach. Now, when you're, uh, when you're in a home, you're not just in the, Pueblo, in the Pueblo home or the Colorado Springs home or in the Denver home. You're in an international ministry called Inner City Ministry of, of the Home. You're not just by yourself in your own little city. No, you're representing God. You're in a home that God wanted to raise up homes for his honor and his glory. I didn't realize it at that time that I was being made to be one of the ministers of the international, of the body of Jesus Christ. That means that that's every denomination, every person that's a Christian, every church in the well that represents Jesus Christ. I was being raised up by what they taught, what Jesus modeled in the Bible, and that I was going to be one of the leaders in the mighty leadership of God. So I want to turn you on. I want, I want you to leave away smoking. I want you to want to drop the gospels of Jesus Christ. I want you to want to get addicted to the ministry of the saints. I want, I want to leave you nodding out and wired up, whatever, whatever high you like. I want, I, want, I want you to put miles in your mind and in your vision so that you can see countries, so that you can see your city block to block, so that you can see your state, not just the city of Colorado Springs, are you called? There's all kinds of cities in Colorado that we've never gone to, that there's hurting people, and you know those cities. Are you with me? Okay, let me get going. And I'm gonna stop quick. Because I want my boy to come. Things I learned that has to do with reaching out. You reach out in your everyday life and you reach out in church, okay? You're gonna reach people. Now, reach, what I learned is reach out to people in the community and in our church. Luke 14 and 22 shows that Jesus reached out after, after the enemy tried to hit him. He reached out to fishermen. He reached out to people, you and I, when you come to church, you're gonna have to learn to reach out. We're outreach. We don't just live our life in, in, in your community where you go and you don't reach out to people. We're outreach, we're different. 
Every Christian is supposed to reach out. But God wanted to make sure that there was a ministry that was still going to be like the ministry of Jesus. That was not going to forget the blind man. That was not going to forget the person who had a form of leprosy that was in sin, that they were not going to be able to ignore those that nobody will go after. And so you have to reach out here. And you have to reach out in your daily life. Now, I, I outlined it because we always say these things. But I noticed that this generation, you have to walk them through. Not just in the preaching, but they have to be walked through so that they could see you reach out to people. The next thing, I attempted to start relationships. I had to attempt. Do you think it's easy to start relationships? You're on an unemployment line, and somebody turns around and says, looks at you, and do you just stand there and just look, or just say, good morning? See? Or the lady says, what can I do for you? No, there has to be an attempt. We just did attempt to do a burglary. The burglary was committed. The sisters just didn't attempt to try to make it with the brothers. No, they made it. There wasn't just an attempt to use drugs and to, to sin and to live wrong. No, it's what we wanted to do. So the, there has to be an attempt to start relationships. No, to start relationships, you have to be interested in people. To start relationships, you have to be concerned. You have to look around to see how, where they come from, who they came with, where you saw them at. Did you see them at Walmart? Did you see them in the corner? Were they in the car? Were they shooting drugs? Did they look like gang members? There has to be a concern for people. And in order to have that, we have to ask God to give us a burden. You have to develop a burden. It's like a desire that you want to do what Jesus did. You have to have a burden. That means that you're concerned and you want to go out of your way to be able to do whatever you have to do to come against yourself, to come against life, to come against the tide of life. In Hawaii, they have to come against the spirit of aloha in Hawaii. Because if not, it'll control them. And there'll be real kickback. See? Over here, we can't let the spirit that's here in Colorado Springs or the churches, you can't let that spirit continue to take us. It's called an in-house spirit. It's a spirit that keeps Christians inside the church, mainly working in the church, doing everything in the church, but they don't reach out to people around them in their lives. They just move on and come up the ladders in the church, and they don't even reach out that much to help people in the church. They just usher them, smile at them, and say, how are you? But they don't really go out of their way to see what their needs are. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, for the purpose three, this is done for the purpose to identify and discern people's needs. Why are we doing this? Did I do this? Because I wanted to make friends? Yes, in the beginning. But afterwards, the Lord said, I'm not doing this so that you can be friends. My son taught me there's going to be people that I'm going to want to be your friend. There's going to be people that you're not going to identify with and be friends with them. No, this is done to be able to learn how to identify and discern people's needs. Now, when you start to identify people's needs, you got to remember what we have as a human being. What we have as a human being, brothers and sisters, is called the personal relational communication skills. And I'm going to mention them real quick. Are you with me? When you're trying to identify, start relationships, to be able to discern people's needs, it's because you're going to help them with that need. I don't want to get ahead, but these are the personal human communication skills that God has given us. I'm going to read them fast. The first one is called visual skills. We've used them since the time we were born. The second one is called hearing and listening skills. We've heard all kinds of things from the time we were born to the present. The third one is called mental skills. We put a lot of things that we saw and we heard in this computer. This computer has seven, seven faculties that God gave this mind to rule your life, to govern your life, to live right. And the first one is reasoning, remembrance. And then it goes into memorizing, excuse me. It goes into uh, uh, perception, intent, and purpose. All of those are faculties to help our mind rule our life so that you and I as Christians that we will learn how to live our lives for Christ. So as Christians, we'll be able to say, I lived my life wrong. I, I had the wrong feelings. I had wrong desires. I, I perceived things wrong. I remembered things that I wasn't supposed to remember. I didn't know how to reason good and bad. I didn't know how to feel. I didn't know how to desire. My intentions were wrong, and I lived my life for the wrong purpose. So as a Christian, you know you heard that you have second seven faculties to help you live your life as a Christian. So as you and I prepare our life for the call of God daily while you're learning how to do the will of God. Are you with me? So as I attempted to start these relationships, it was for the purpose to identify these needs. And so once you start looking at people, I, I look for this. Is there any Native Americans? Is there any blacks? Are they neighborhood blacks or are they educated blacks? Is there any Mexicans? Is there any whites? Are they white supremacists? Are they long-haired whites? Is there any Asians? 
And then out of all of that, I looked to see, is there any killers? Is there any gang members? Is there any people that come from a family that use drugs? Is there any players in the house? Is there any immoral people in there, any pornographers? Is there people in there that went to college? And so you start looking, because why am, what am I looking for? I'm looking for your need. Why? The next one, number four, is that with, with me asking, I asked them, and with their help, I saw many needs. I would say, is your need? And they said, it's close, Brother Mundo, but you know what my need is? I need somebody to talk to. Is your need this? Uh, you, you need healing? Yes, I do need healing, but I want to be a Christian. Is this your need? Uh, what you're telling me that your family is in a hospital with cancer? Yes, that's one of my needs. But my husband is real mean. Is this your need, what you're saying, that, that you came from gangs and drugs? Yes, I, I need help, but it's my son, it's my daughter. They're lost. And so all of a sudden, for the Christian, that's going to help meet those needs, the antennas go up. And all of a sudden, you begin to look because they helped you and you're, you're trying to figure out what is their needs. And then you ask them and then they tell you, this is my need. I want to be discipled. I need to go to the home. I, I need help with my court case. Uh, I feel strange things in my house. I don't know, they say it could be demonic. It's that I don't like the way I feel. Uh, can someone, who can I talk to? I hear voices. See, those needs. I go, I'm going to go. I'm supposed to go to court. I'm on the run. Boom, those antennas go up. Now, the needs range from A to Z. And what that means is that all the things that I mentioned, see? All the things that I mentioned. Now, the reason why I'm mentioning these things is because many people have come in, but as a leadership, we didn't meet all their needs. We're not going to be able to meet all their needs, but we didn't meet most of their needs. So when we don't meet their needs in church and we don't visit them in their houses and we don't do house follow-up and we don't call them to go see them in their jobs or in the corner or in the Walmart or when they go to school and we don't call with the intention to be able to see how they live. I want to see how a person lives. I don't just want to see them in Bible study and church. I'm going to see some of the need if I see them here in the community. But when I go to the house, now I'm going to see the lesbian lover. Now I'm going to see the homosexual son. 
Now I'm gonna see the old man that just got out of prison. Now I'm gonna see the good college students, the good house, the good mom, the good dad, nice things that work and the job brings. Now I'm gonna see a bad smell in the house. Now I'm gonna feel the presence of the powers of darkness through an immoral spirit. Now I'm gonna see the main thing. See, if we don't help them with the main things, they're not gonna get, their needs are not gonna be met. Are you with me? The needs will be heard, seen, and learned in various places. Different places, you're gonna see the need, you're gonna hear it. And look at the different places. Places where these needs happen when people start mentioning them. Well, the first place is a church entrance. When I teach people how to do this after we're done, when the service starts, I get out there in the front door about a half an hour before people start coming in, and the people we taught were there looking for people, and it looks like we're being friendly. No, I just got done teaching. We're looking to see if we can discern the people's needs. And the whole church starts coming in, and we're saying hello, and they never had so many hellos. 15, 20 people saying, hello, how are you? God bless you. But what are we doing? I'm showing them how to practice. Where's the first place to practice? The first place to practice in a church is when they come in from the parking lot. Where's the second place that you practice? When they make the altar call, you gotta ask them their need, why they came, if it's not too personal. We don't just pray for them, let them go. We didn't get their phone number and let's see who we do next week. No, there was nothing helped. They were loved, yes, they were prayed for, but it didn't, we didn't know their need. The third place is when they leave the service. Some of the other places is where they're sitting at, when they're in the restroom, when they go get coffee back there in the foyer, when they're back there. Now, look at some of the other places. The fellowship room at their home. You gotta get to their house. We, this generation, we have to get to people's house. It's gonna take work. You're gonna have to come against yourself. You're already used to doing what you want. You're not used to uh, calling somebody up and, and practice that you care, even though you don't care, but you have to start somewhere. I had to start somewhere. I didn't care for everybody, but I had to start. And I had to get out there to their house. Once I got to their house and that door opened, there was no turning back. I could not turn back from what I saw. Are you with me? Others is places where these needs come up, are manifested, is at the job. I called people and met them for lunch. Imagine, met them before work, met them after work. How did you do that, Brother Mundo? Well, I was a home director of 30 men and women. 
I had six acres of property that I had to take care of. And it was a mansion, an acre of grass. I, I was responsible for the men and women that were there to disciple them and take care of their families. And my responsibility included taking care of my pastor, his house, his five kids, taking them to school, making sure the church was maintenance, maintained, and hitting the streets for the ministry. And I had to learn how to be out in my Bible study area three times a week. Did that sound like hard work? I didn't know I was working hard. Nobody told me. Nobody told me I was working hard. I thought that was what Jesus did. He worked every day because he only had three and a half years to do the work. I didn't know. And so you're going to have to fight your schedule. You're going to have to fight the way you think. You're going to have to come against your fears. You're going to have to come out of yourself. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so there are locations in other, in other various places and other locations in the community, okay? A lot of it was in the community while they were dealing drugs, packing. We in with our gangs. They're hanging out where they hang out in everyday life. And so I had to learn to practice here. Where was the second place that I had to practice discerning people's needs? It was in my house. It was in the community that I lived. See, what can happen to a Christian is that he can practice at church, but he won't practice at home. So he could miss the things that his children, his wife go through, or the wife could miss what the husband's going through because they're not used to discerning what the needs of the marriage, what the needs of the teenage child, the babies are, the needs of the home. And so I, I learned because these men right away took me out. So the first thing that I learned was to go out with them and they took me to the community. So I learned to be concerned for people around me. So what does it mean? It means that as soon as you leave your house and you're learning to see your kids and your family and you start your car or you jump on the bus or you take a bike, I did all those things to look for work, to run after. I looked for a job I ran after and I stopped at places where there was people. So I had a chance to pray. I had a chance to look for work. I had a chance to work out. And then I evangelize. So what has kept me all the way 41 years is the things that I mentioned. I learned to tell people about Jesus Christ in my everyday life. If I wouldn't have learned that, my life would have been boring because I would have known that I didn't live after the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ just didn't take care of people in the synagogue. He just didn't go in there and rebuke demons in the synagogue and people who were paralyzed. He said that he was anointed to help people, to take the good news, to bring deliverance, to open up blind eyes, to raise up the dead, to bring the acceptable ear of the Lord. He told them what his ministry 
was going to be, and this is where I'm going to stop. Meeting the need. While you learn how to meet those needs, you're going to need help from people who have learned or learning to help you. You're going to have to revert to your resources. Jesus' resources was the Word of God. God, the Holy Spirit. I don't think you're going to need music. Mondo's going to come right after, or are you going to take a break? What do you think, Al? Is he going to come right after? Take a break, okay. And so, you have to revert to your resources. Now, with this I am, what are the resources? Me and you are a resource. You by yourself, out there, with a heavy case, a heavy situation, you're going to look around for your pastor, somebody, your home director to help you. You know what you and I are? We have God the Father, one, that's, what, that's our team. We have God the Son, number two, that's part of our team. We have God the Holy Spirit, that's part of our team. We have the King, we are part of the kingdom of God. Not only that, we have the heavenly host with us. We have the word of God. We have the church of the living God. <laughs> and we have a community to be full of resources. Now the most wealthiest resource is the church. Me and you, because we've been through a lot. My boy lost his wife. I never lost my wife. I had to learn how to be a dad to a son who his wife went to heaven young. A resource. Someone that prayed for me. In the church, you're important. You're important to me. You're important to me. You're important to the church. You have experience. You've done things. You've seen things. You've learned things. You have a trade. Your family are known to, to be good drug addicts. Your family are known to be carpenters. And then look at the people that you know in church that you can go ask and say, has anybody ever prayed for somebody that had an emergency? Somebody that was in a hospital with no chance to live. Is there anybody in the church that's gone through that? Said, yes, the pastor Al. He faced death I don't know how many times, but he was so bad that death didn't want him. And Jesus said, no, you can't have him. Death, I got him. I'm not done with him. I'm going to fix him up. I want him. I want I want to squeeze the hell out of him. I want to squeeze everything wrong that comes against my word. Anything that comes against that we learn that is no good, that is going to stop us to, to live our lives. That's going to cause us to live our lives for ourselves. God wants it out. He's going to cause a change. And when you 
get ready to meet those needs, you have a leader. You're part of a leadership. You're part of a team. Even though you're not a leader, you have a leader. You have a pastor. You have a church. There's people. And when that is applied at home, in the community, and in the church, then we become outreach people that reach out to people in the church, that reach people in the community, that learn to do follow-up, and that help people. How was that? Huh? Was that helpful? That was to encourage you. Because I want yous that are good at the mall, I want you to hang around the mall as many times a week that you can, okay? Those that are used to being around the Hells Angels, find the Hells Angels, and so forth, college. And so, as we stand, Father, I thank you. I ask that by the spirit of revival, that you would continue to move. You don't have to come up, because I think we're going to break. In the name of Jesus, we ask for the spirit of revival that you would continue to move. And as Pastor Al comes, so that he may want to do music, in Jesus' name, I ask it. God bless you. Thank you, guys. Amen. Okay, let's, let's take about a five-minute break, and, when, and the, then you'll hear the, the worship team play some fast music. We'll get in here.